Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, uh, are you much of a gambler? Uh, no, I'm not much of a gambler. No, I'm no. not really either. Like, I'll go to casinos, and if I do, I basically just play slots. Yeah, right? That's like, it. Penny slots? Do they well, even have no, those I might, even, I might do like a you go, dollar or oh, something sometimes, maybe a quarter. Big but, but I'm very, like, conservative about how, like, I'll take in, like, I don't know, like, let's say three or four 20s or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And if I, once I win on one yep. 20, I just print it out, stick it away. Like, yep. I always oh, make see, sure. That's the way I, I almost it. always leave with a profit. Like to, in my mind, 100%. that's which no, I know no, no. is not the point. I'm of sorry, like, I don't yeah. leave with a profit. <laughs> I walk in the door with forty dollars. Within minutes, I don't have it anymore. Okay, okay. And well, I'm done. all right. Well, either way, I'm not. But I'm not a. You know, I'm not a go out and bet big. Yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah now, yeah. what about sports betting? Do you do any sports nope, betting at all? I haven't gotten into sports betting yet. Okay. Yeah, either. I haven't really. Now, now to be fair, I do love playing fantasy sports. Yeah, oh, yeah. Which is sort do of that. Okay. similar. So, yeah, I'm into that. Um, right. but that's its own different thing. I feel yeah, like yeah, you yeah. get a little more control over that at least. Yes. So you know, like stats and, you mm -hmm. know, like mm -hmm. research. And mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like I'm a little more in control of my yeah, destiny. It's like so. you got your team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so the point of this, though, is we're here today to talk about the sports betting and gaming world yes. because there's actually some opportunity out there 100 there for is. our resellers to you know potentially get some technology in there and do a, a, a huge growing business that's the shocking growing. part to me that we'll get into here, exactly know? so today we have uh, elo's jim foster back with us yep you may remember him from an episode about industry 4.0 right but apparently gaming is his actual real <laughs> sweet spot so he's back to talk about that uh we're going to talk about some of the trends that he's seeing out there right now what's happening in the world of gaming and sports betting Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about you know how digital signage has an impact. Obviously, you know Elo is you know that's digital signage is their play. Oh yeah, big time. Where it fits into mm -hmm. this and and how you can potentially make some money off Lots that. Lots of good stuff there. We'll talk actually. about so you know the the venues, what kind of displays, what kind of you know content you need for the mm -hmm. for these setups, uh, as well as maybe some other some other aspects of entertainment where some digital signage could be a, a little leverage point for you to make. Some I money. like it. Good so, stuff. There yep. you go. So uh, always bet on black and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Uh, as always, we have our value to the VAR and what's technically with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest today, returning guest, Jim Foster from ELO. He is uh, ELO's Global Business Development Manager. Mm -hmm. and, I, and as I mentioned, you know, we were talking just before we went on, the fact that his first episode with us was all about industry, and now yeah. we're talking about gaming and sports betting. You couldn't really get to very different yeah, right? sides of the business. Exactly. Uh, but... But I think that's awesome because I think it gives Jim an opportunity to kind of play around in two different spaces. If he gets bored with one or overwhelmed, he can well, go play in the other. So, yeah. so Jim, welcome back. Uh, and, and, yeah, tell us a little bit more about, like, your history with, you know, gaming and sports betting. It sounds like you've been in this for a little while. Yeah, so, yeah, th thanks for having me again, guys. Nice to be back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I've been kind of supplying technology, let's call it, into gaming for, for many years. So started off my career in the kind of um, – cash handling and component business supplying the original coin operated mechanisms into the 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 kind of uh, the slot machines if you like in in Mia. i mean we don't call them slot machines as such but it's, it's the, basically like the casino slots where you put in the quarters and you know the the one arm bandits so to speak 
So I was supplying those for for a few years, and then moved into more like the bill validators, and you know, scanning the bill validators into into the into the slot machines. So really, my experience with the the gaming market until until Elo really was more about the machine manufacturers, you know, the casino slot OEMs, and obviously, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty wide known that the, these big manufacturers they also deal with lottery with sports betting more recently with you know the bingo in some countries as well so there's a massive plethora of, of players in the market and it's you know gaming's not for everybody so it's quite dynamic it's quite fast it's a much faster sales cycle for example than you would say industrial or banking or, or you know some of these more conservative markets so it's kind of fun but it's also um you know you've, you've got to kind of roll with it it's fast fast moving as well so it's um so yeah i, I like gaming it's nice to have industrial and gaming you can uh, as you mentioned john if, if you get bored with one you can go to the other there you go i like that you're already touching in the fast-paced nature mm-hmm. of the industry and how that's really different and, and influences the digital content which we'll get into yep. all that much more yeah, yeah definitely yeah, yeah. well okay so sports betting has taken off here in the u.s uh since uh, 2018 mm. the supreme court made a ruling that opened up uh states to to legalize it used to be just you know nevada and mm-hmm. a few select other little places where you could do some legalized sports betting but now uh, now every state has the option to do it if they choose to legalize it. Currently, we are at 30 states and the District of Columbia wow. that have have authorized it. I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> Just in four that's years. pretty fast. Yeah, yep. and, and and a lot of that happened in the first year. Honestly, there was a lot of states that were were very much chomping the bit, waiting to do this. Yeah, and obviously there's there's a lot of revenue tied up in it. Sure. You know, and and people love to do this betting, and you know we've seen it since it happened. You know, all these sports books and websites that are suddenly just, you know, mm-hmm. advertising like crazy. You mm-hmm. see it during sporting events. Now I know why. Exactly. Now, most of that's happening online. And granted, the pandemic has had a lot to do with that because, yeah. you know, people got stuck indoors. And in fact, I saw some of the numbers. You know, there was a dramatic spike in, in sports betting online. Obviously, oh, yeah. when the pandemic happened because yeah. what else were you going to do? You know, right. sit around and gamble what money you hopefully had left. <laughs> uh, but of course, as the pandemic's starting to, to ease and some of the concerns around it, the retail betting is starting to grow again mm-hmm. too so you know talk to us about that jim what kind of trends are you seeing around casinos racetracks these sports books uh, that they're trying to do to attract these gamers and bring them back in house yeah it's, it's a really interesting time i would say for the for the north american market and and maybe it's worth me painting the picture a little bit of the differences because um emir is, is completely different so you know sports betting has been as you mentioned john you know 2018 supreme court um past that and, and now it's a bit of a gold rush which states can can legalize it and all the sports book operators are trying to get into that state and they're advertising like crazy you know super bowl adverts and all this you know commercials and all this stuff and it's it's really like a you know the old california gold rush um in emir it's, it's completely opposite so that's quite a mature market and it's been uh it's always been in emir really or, or most of the countries um very controlled and the sports betting environments have not been hospitality venues. So they've been a dedicated premises that typically uh, doesn't serve food or drinks and doesn't serve alcohol. And they're not entertainment centers in the classic sense of, you know, they're not a bar, they're not a restaurant, they're not a, you know, they're not themed. They're a specific place to, to basically go and bet on sports or to, or to gamble. And there are differences between different countries in, in Amir. It's not all the same. Um, but the difference with with North America, you know, the US and, and soon to be Canada, of course, as that's now opening as well, is that, you know, these are entertainment venues. These are hospitality venues, you know, bars, restaurants, casinos. Um, they can they can have sports books depending on the state. 
Um, and that's kind of a little bit new, um, or almost globally, you would say. that That's kind of like fresh ground, right? So uh, there's, there's no book, that, there's no, to, sorry to use the term playbook, because that's too, too relevant, but, you know, that there's no kind of rules of engagement here of how, how it should look. It's, it's really evolving as, as things go on. And, you know, the, these, um, you know, in the US, you've got your, your dedicated sports bars, which, of course, has been around for a while with the large format screens, not, not touch screens, of course, but, you know, TVs for it, basically. Um, and you can go and watch the game with your pals and, and you know, enjoy yourself and, and drink a beer, eat some food, whatever. Um, but then putting sports betting into these environments is... Again, it's, it's it's a relatively new new thing, and and how does that look? Do you, do you go for people just going onto their onto the cell phone and, and and you know the bring your own device kind of approach, or do you does an operator want to invest in fixed technology that will give a more collaborative approach? And and there's and there's no right or wrong answer. I think it's uh, you know it isn't one size fits all, and I think we're going to see over the next probably two to three years. The market's going to go in different directions depending on the state, depending on the the, the country, of course, depending on the um, you know uh, which players are in that market, what what the content providers do, because these content providers in gaming very often they start out only as content providers and then they start branching out. I mean, look at these some of these big content providers; they're buying up racetracks now, they're buying up bricks, bricks and mortars premises. This is they're seeing that um, just having online content. Or game content or sportsbook content because it's effectively all the same thing in different different guises just having that isn't going to capture the whole demographic you, you need retail if you want to call it that or bricks and mortar premises to capture certain demographics of players so i think it's it's a really interesting time and, and you know even trying to keep track of it you know through speaking to partners and and you know online um resources and industry bodies trying to keep up with what's going on it's it, it's you know it's fast moving very much so. And, and I think that what you're going to see a little bit, and I like where you were going with the mix of technology, you know, pre pandemic, you know, interactivity was something that, you know, obviously we play in, but, mm-hmm. but it would be interesting now if I put myself in the shoes of a, of an owner of one of these establishments, you know, what is it going to be all about? How do we get, if I'm brick and mortar, if I got a retail space, how am I going to get people back in? And I think it's some of the common themes that we've been talking about in retail, what's the experience going to be, right? So right. there's going to be a build around the experience and the good news there is that the what i would say the cost for interactivity continues to come down as opposed to where it was maybe a decade ago so if you were going to put up a bunch of kiosks and have some interactive elements to your space the cost of entry was a lot more you know 10 years ago whereas now the costs have come down and the experience and the software development uh, behind it all of those are, are a little bit more aligned to, to making that an affordable kind of a process. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, it, it, when you start seeing, uh, it's just intuitive to me, they're, they're going to want to develop all the experience, the excitement that you see around the promotion of these uh, mm-hmm. facilities. You want to then walk into that and have kind of this immersive, interactive experience. Um, I can see it definitely going that way. And, yeah. I, and I think the trends are starting to go that way. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the the experience stuff. We've spent the last couple of years indoors, sitting on right. couches, yeah. learning that we could do all the stuff that we really wanted to do and like sure. from the comfort of our couch with a device or whatever in front of us. But yeah, you know that's and that, that's great. But that interactivity and to be able to get out, mm-hmm. you know, Jim, you mentioned it. You know, going to a, a pub or a bar or you know somewhere with your mates and 
and, and having some drinks while you're watching a game and getting excited together. There's, there's a whole different feel for that. And, you know, when it comes to the sports betting stuff, you know, you mentioned the bring your own devices. And it seems like a lot of these retail you know, uh, betting and gaming places are still kind of reliant on that. And I imagine a lot of that has to do with, like, just the speed they had to ramp up. Like, hey, we need to get this running as soon as possible and try to get people into these spaces. So for now, we're just going to tell them, bring your own device, bring your own phone, do your betting from there or however we're doing that. But again, that social aspect is is always better when it comes to sports. So let's pivot then into digital signage because obviously that's kind of the the hook here and getting away from just the static t- televisions to something a little more interactive. How does how does that signage help create that community and bring people together into these into these places to to do this betting together and to enjoy it as a social experience? Well, you know, it's a really good question, and and it hasn't really been addressed to date that that much. It's it's something that that's because of the reason you just you, you know you just mentioned, John, was that a lot of the people are trying to establish as the market's opening up state by state and developing in the US, and these these kind of sportsbook providers and and also the operators of of the the venues that people are going in, um, they're still finding their feet and trying to understand how do we get the most customers in, how do we get them to to bet, and do do we geofence on the mobile phones to make sure they can only bet in our premises to get certain stakes and all that kind of stuff, and and it's it's quite complex. Um, So, you know, it hasn't, this kind of fixed device making it more of a collaborative experience rather than, you know, looking at your own phone, that's not really been addressed that much. And, you know, there's been a few trade shows uh, around last year and, you know, we're, we're talking to people as, as many of the hardware providers are and, and there's not a clear vision yet. There will be, but but there isn't really yet, but there's so much opportunity there. So, you know, if you think about um, a venue, that might be, uh, it might be a large format um, touchscreen mounted on a wall or on a plinth. Um, it might be some kind of open area where you can look at it a bit like a, a racing post application. I don't know if you use that phrase in the US, but that's a very common phrase used in Europe where, you know, the old racing post newspapers, right? Where you look at it like, oh, what are the, what are the horse racing for the week? Um, so that kind of racing post application mounted on a wall is, is becoming very um, popular. Um, it might be a betting kiosk, which, which will look relatively similar to a casino slot, probably with less flashing lights, if I'm honest, maybe a bit more, you know, a bit more, I'm going to upset people now when I say maybe a bit more sophisticated than a casino slot. <laughs> you know, certainly less bells and whistles, let's say, more focus on content rather than the how bright and attractive the cabinet is, let's let's put it that way. Um, you know, that that they're kind of obvious angles, but then um, if you look at the amusement market, and, and I'll, be, I'll define what I mean by the amusement market because that might be of regional variations, but amusement market typically has been talked about as low payout uh, gaming machines, so not casino level slots where you can win thousands of dollars. It might be a, a low power machine, or it might be uh, might even be just play for fun, right? So that's kind of amusement, what I would call amusement at least. So you know the amusement machines have been doing this kind of different technology stacks in the hospitality side for years, and it's that's not a new thing. So think about um, um, arcade machines. You know, playing the video games. That's an amusement. Think about uh, bar top games where you're playing these kind of fun games so you still pay to play and you might be able to win a low amount of money but it's 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 relatively modest Um, and that's actually on the bar so you can literally be there drinking a beer playing on the bar you know even talking to your friends and kind of crowding around the machine a little bit so that in the in the amusement area has been around for years so it's not it's not really a new concept to go for this multi-technology stack within one location or premises 
but doing it in the sports betting environment, really the US is is um, the trailblazer there because, like I say, in, in in Europe it's not it's not really allowed. It's kind of hospitality is here and and, and sports betting is here. I mean, okay, you can do it on your phone, of course, but but not really fixed in the venue. So so there's really lots of angles, you know, tabletop, uh, sorry, bar top, you know, even countertop, at, you know, at a table, um, large format signage on the wall. Uh, the, the kiosks, the betting terminals, sometimes they're called. You know, there's there's so many different um, angles you can play, and and I think that again, going back to my previous comment about the demographics, certain people maybe don't want to play on their phone. Maybe the screen's too small. Maybe they're in a large group. Maybe maybe they want to have that collaborative experience. And I think as that matures, then I think the content providers will also tweak the content to work with with fixed devices to try and make it more collaborative because you know if you just take a the, the sports book that shows on your mobile phone and you put it on a large format screen it's probably going to look terrible so you know, how do you how do you change the content to to you know match accordingly really good points and not just on the interactivity side i, I will also bring the bring up you know the the passive nature of digital signage and how that can help uh you know whether it's in a sports book arena or whatnot you know i know a lot of sophistication is going into the content because again i'm going to go back to that customer experience and you know if there's one thing that casinos and, and those understand really well it's the customer experience you know mm-hmm. they want it to be a great experience so that people will come back. You want people to be able to leave an environment, even though they may have lost the $40 that I spoke about. I still had a good time kind of a thing. I still had, I feel like I was a part of something, some experience uh, that was bigger, better than, than, than that. Right. And and I think you don't mind losing that money when you had a good time. Exactly. (laughs) And I think really, honestly, digital signage can play into that because it can play into the narrative of the overall environment that you're trying to create Mm -hmm. in these things. I mean, I think that it's, it's quite obvious a sports, especially in the sports betting arena, we all lived through watching sports by ourselves on right, the couch. Right. And it's like, yay, uh, and there's yeah. nobody else around to high five or whatnot. Whereas <laughs> right. you want to be in that environment. Oh, right? I mean, we, yeah. we lived through the Bengals going through the Super Bowl. And it's like yeah. people wanted to be at a bar right, or a casino right. or something so they, they could have at least somewhat of a shared experience. Right. When you lump on, you know, the, the, the excitement of betting into that, uh, it's no wonder that whatever the statistics are, the sports betting grew 30% in 18 months. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, it's kind of like the culmination of those two. So I, I think Jim's done a really good job of talking about the interactivity in, in the space, but also there's that passive appeal, that passive digital signage that we've learned in retail and in those other areas that can really draw into the overall experience. Yeah, really I, critical. I Definitely. Yeah. Well, then let's let's get into the tech side of it here then, Jim. And, and you know, if you're talking to so let's say one of our bars is talking to one of their customers in hospitality or maybe they are actually working with some of these, you know, mm-hmm. uh, gaming you know venues and they're looking to up their game. They're like, OK, we, we know we need to do this. We've got a lot of passive signage at the moment or we're doing a lot of BYOD stuff. You know, we're not. We're not quite there yet, but we don't know where to start. What do you recommend by way of, you know, what kind of signage, what kind of content, what levels of interactivity? What do you recommend as kind of like a good baseline to think about like, hey, here's a great place to get started to figure out how to how to kick this up a notch and make it a venue that genuinely is exciting and people want to go hang out in for hours at a time? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so though, you know, that's the kind of question that, that, that we are having with, with our partner network and with the, their end user customers all the time. Right. So, 
Um, it's a really good question, and it's I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of a politician's answer here because it, it really depends. <laughs> so um, it really depends on the type of venue, you know, it, it, the, lo- the layout of the venue. And I'll give some examples, by the way. So, um, you know, if you think about a, a sports bar, that, that layout would would be, you know, would warm itself to um, uh, stuff on the countertop, on the bar top. You can have some bar top kind of interactive signage. That might be like, a, you know, a 15-inch or a 22-inch all-in-one device on a bar top. The guy can order a beer can, or the lady can order a beer, play, you know, play a game while they wait or, you know, watch the sports or, you know, play, place a bet. And, you know, that's... Um, a relatively obvious one for a, for a bar large format signage could go in any re- real venue and, and and you know as they mentioned the the advertisement element of that and the attracting new players element is is kind of applicable to all venues i would say but then think about um a restaurant so you know your your, your chicken wing place or your burger joint or whatever if they want to have some kind of sports betting in there then that's a different a different setup because maybe they they don't really have a a big area where they can put large format displays not at least not touch displays of course they're going to have the TVs above the bar or whatever but you know in that case would a um, a smaller fixed device in the booth you know in, in where you have a table maybe six of you in the table and you've got the the closed end closed on one end booth maybe you have like a fixed device there and you can it can allocate to your table number. Maybe you can add it to the bill. You know, you can add it to the to the checker at the end of the night, where you can you can bet. You can you can have some kind of party games included in there and, and do a, a collaborative bet on the on the football game or on the on the baseball game or whatever. So there's there's really uh, you know the technology stack that that's that's out there allows for really anything. It's 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 more of a a consultative approach really in terms of how, how you would approach the operator. So if an operator came to me, for example, or, you know, through a partner, of course, and said, Hey, what would you um, recommend? It'd be a case of, okay, please explain to us, you know, the layout of your operation, what kind of food and drink do you serve? What kind of sports do you play? Um, who's your content provider? Because of course that's super important because all of the magic is in the content, right? You know, the content's got to, got to add value there. Um, so yeah, there's loads of stuff, and you know, there's other kind of offshoots on that as well. So customer loyalty. So you think about um, in certain areas, you might be able to go in and, and uh, sign up for an account, and then you get a ten percent discount. So you know, customer loyalty sign up either for the hospitality venue as a restaurant, for example, or into their gaming sports book. Um, that's also a neat hardware, right? So you, you can do it from your mobile phone, of course, but again, the convenience of doing it, maybe, maybe you're you're, you're at the table waiting for your drinks to arrive and they say, hey, if you sign up tonight at this at this device in your booth, you can get a 20% off your, uh, the stakes tonight, but, you know, the, uh, but the prizes are the same. So there's, there's so many angles, and, you know, I could talk about this for hours. I'm, I'm not going to, but um, there's so many angles you, you could play with, um, with hardware into these uh, sports bars, you know, casinos, of course, and, and uh, hospitality venues, bars, restaurants, etc. Even, you know, hotels, really. I mean, it's... And any hospitality venue that would legislation would allow them to have sports betting, there is six, seven use cases for hardware that could go in there. 
And I think that what's really important here, when I think about how hospitality venues, if they're looking to up their game, they have to understand what else is coming down the pipe, if you mm. will, from a technology standpoint. Uh, and, and what I would say there is you got to be aware that edge computing is happening and all the stuff that we hear about through AI uh, and things like that. If you if you don't think that that's going to have a play in the gaming world, mm. I mean, come on, uh, you know, using analytics, using AI to, to figure out, well, how can we have this person bet a little bit more right, or right. things of that nature or buy another beer or buy or, an, whatever exactly yeah. whatever it may be to improve that experience mm-hmm. that is going to be heavily utilized in this space so you want to make sure that you have compute power at the screen to do that you know gone are the days of just having a passive monitor if you will uh, when you when you when you hear about the trends and what's happening on edge uh, in in the need to compute at the device to facilitate this AI, you really have to understand that. And you, as solution integrator, you need to be the the preacher, if you will, of right. telling that story. And so if I was walking into one of those, look, you, we, let's make sure we have compute power out here at the edge so that when you know, you start upping your game on the content and the overall experience, you have the compute power to make that happen right. uh, in a way that people want it to happen. You know, I mean, the experience, that that's going to be people's expectation walking right, in, right. is to have some of this, you know, culminated, uh, customized experience. How are you going to do that? Well, it's through compute power on the edge, through AI and things of that nature that are going to make that happen, right? Yep. Yeah. So you got to be cognizant of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and Jim, I like your point also, the idea that, you know, we can go into talking to a partner or talking to someone that you're trying to sell this to of sorts and not treat it as, hey, I'm coming in here just to sell you on gaming stuff. Yeah. But understanding, like, there may be other opportunities there. And I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a sales 101 fundamental these days. Like, don't walk in assuming you're going to sell one solution and ignoring the possibility of selling of other others. Ones. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I think to your point, you know, like, you know, loyalty programs, uh, parlor games, mm-hmm. even just, you know, it, it could entirely be to this, this facility or this, you know, like, say it's a restaurant restaurant or sports bar or something that has never had pay at table options before. And maybe now by introducing this, not only do you give these options for spending and gaming and whatever else, but now you've also introduced pay at table or Mm -hmm. order at table type options. So it's, it's that kind of stuff where you can it's wrap exactly up what I'm talking a bigger about. conversation. Absolutely. But you also need the compute power to make that happen, right? Exactly. I mean, Very if I'm going to so. want to swap between applications and stuff like that, you got to have that uh, yep. around. So yeah, I think you're dead exactly. right. Exactly. So again, it's, you know, it's like you may go in there thinking like, hey, I, I know these folks are getting into the, the gaming and the sports mm-hmm. betting world, mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk to them about that. But don't you know? Don't shy away from the opportunity to potentially upsell a bunch of other things mm-hmm. that could be useful to them, or to you know, to the random customer that comes in that has no interest in betting on a game. That's and is right. not there for the sports, but it's just there for beer yep. and wings or something. Yep. Right, you know, right, so. right. Yeah. Well, Jim, do you have something else to add to that? Yeah, just I was just going to say one thing that just pops into my mind as well, which is really important for the for the partner network, is that you know when you're having those conversations with these these potential end users or these interested parties. Um, POS integration is also something that, that's, you know, historically been a challenge. If you think about um, the pay at the table option that you just mentioned, um, you know, if it's not integrated to the point of sale system that's currently in the, in the hospitality venue, then, then that can be a watch out. So that's something to consider because, you know, if you're looking at an online, uh, let's say a sports book provider in that, lo- in that location, whether, it, you know, you can go onto their app and you can play in, in the venue and maybe the venue gives you some discount codes or something like that. So there's a, there's a link to the venue, 
but sometimes it's not actually integrated in the pod. So I think it's it's important to, for you know when when talking to these end users, also ask who's your POS provider. Is that POS provider connected to your sports provider? And, and and often it is, very often I imagine, but but sometimes it won't be. So you know it, it's important not to try and shoehorn a solution in there. Maybe it's too early. Maybe it's it's not the right thing. So I think there's you know because it's early because it's not a mature market, it means it's exciting, but it's also, you know, we still have to feel our way through this and, and there's, there's many twists and turns to come. I like yeah, it. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, it's not, uh, it's, it's amazing how young this industry mm-hmm. is, is in the U S here specifically now, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of growth, but a lot of, <laughs> a lot of growing pains at this point. Still, Bingo. Too. Growth curve. Yes, still, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, well, Jim, let's wrap up here with then. Are there any other type of, you know, entertainment venues or industries that are are benefiting from modern display technology outside of the gaming, you know, the the gaming and sports betting world? Where else are are you starting to see, you know, some some growth and some potential for the types of touch technology and the 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 modern day, you know, exciting dynamic display? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of go, going everywhere, really. You know, you think about our, our core core retail markets that they they've changed. You know, COVID. We we talked about COVID a lot last time when I was on on the industrial stuff. How that's kind of changed the game. I mean, it's really changed it in any kind of entertainment and hospitality scenario. So we had a lot of this um, access control stuff to begin with, where you know it was it was scanning biometrics and it was you know doing temperature checks for COVID and all that stuff. And that's a, a little bit kind of died down now. Um, for for obvious reasons, um, but you know that technology is, is can be repurposed, and that was one of the things that was was really quite um, exciting for the for the technology push. When when um, you know there's always pros and cons when when th- things change, right? Um, but when we did a big technology push, when when this access control stuff came about, a lot of the people pushed back and said, "Yeah, but in two years, maybe maybe COVID doesn't exist, so so this isn't you know I'm not investing money now." Whereas, you know, that's been repurposed. So you can take, uh, you know, um, some touch technology for, you know, some display technology um, that was used for access control and you can repurpose that to a, a kiosk. That might be a sports betting kiosk. That might be um, an age verification in gaming. So, you know, age verification is, is obviously super important in the gaming environment and it's important in, in hospitality as well. You know, um, different, you know, in the US is 21, right? But in, in Europe, it's primarily 18 years old. And you know, you, gambling and, and uh, alcohol is, is typically in the in Europe uh, eighteen. So you know, you wanna you wanna do age verification for that. So that's technology that got repurposed, and that was nice. You know, it wasn't like a dead investment. It's, it's something that you can you can keep repurposing and using. Um, and then there's, there's lots of other environments. You know, hospitality in terms of um, hotels, concierge systems, uh, g- general. Uh, you know, the, the coffee shop kind of psychology ordering points there self-service it's, it's really exploding everywhere and of course you know i would say that because that's what the technology that we sell but but it really is you know it's um uh, whether it's you know e- even the 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 sports centers um in asia you get them in, in japan as well where you've got like the esports e- areas the pachinko parlors and and all that element of gaming as well that's really adopting technology for check-in for player loyalty for i mean it's just exploding everywhere so um you know even um you know movie theaters uh, classical theaters you know everywhere where you've got a human interface and i'm putting my industrial hat on again here you know hmi so wherever you've got a human interface 
you can benefit from technology. You know, if you're at a theme park, Disney World, you know, you've got people are making lines, making queues to, to, to queue for a ride or whatever. You can put interactive technology there to, to advertise to them, to give discount codes, codes for loyalty. You can, they can sign up for something. They can play, even the kids can play games, you know, even banking, you know, you, in, in Europe, you get a lot of like banks within grocery stores. I don't know if that's a, a thing in the US, but you know, the kids are totally bored waiting for their parents to have an, a, an appointment with the bank manager and they're playing Fruit Ninja on a, on a large format. So, you know, it's, they're everywhere. It's, uh, it's, yeah, we're seeing it in, in, you know, some markets moving quicker than others, but, but this kind of interactive modern display, you know, interactive touch tech is, is everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's always amazing how much innovation we create just to either entertain ourselves or our kids for some reason. <laughs> You know how hard it is to entertain a kid. Trust me, I know. Yeah, yeah. We know very well. I think Jim hit, hit on it uh, there. And when the note I had is that anywhere where there's interaction, you, that you can gain efficiencies. Uh, I, I, Jim, I think you called it the human touch. You know, anytime there's human touch, you're going to start, you're going to see more and more of the use of display technology, interactive technology being utilized. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing it. And I, I agree with you. I'm, I am at the altar that I think, you know, display technology and the use of interactive and passive display technology is just going to explode. It's just going to keep growing and growing and growing because of the fact that it can bring efficiencies into play. Like, for example, we we started using interactive displays at auctions. Uh, it, why? Because, you know, it made the whole process much more efficient for somebody to be able to walk up to a kiosk and say, oh, here's the number of the thing that I was mm-hmm, looking at, mm-hmm. touch it. And they can say, oh, here it is. Or here's a short video of what it was. Uh, we were doing stuff like that. And, and people are still doing stuff like that. So, again, it's anywhere. And when you think about that, anywhere where there's a human interaction, uh, where there could be a gain of efficiency, uh, through the use of these technologies, there's a lot uh, of, of industries that can benefit from the use of this technology. So from line queues to in-store to what you name it, yeah. they're out there yeah. and, and, and they're going to be had. So uh, having a good play and good partnerships along the way to facilitate that going to be key. Yep. Completely agree. All right. Well, hey, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm sure Jim, as he mentioned, could easily go on for hours about the world of gaming and sports betting. Uh, so if you're if you're looking I for someone we to talk some to about tips, that, like you know, oh, how to, how to, you thought how it was that kind of show? Increase like, my if I were to gamble, how am I going to increase my wallet? <laughs> well, maybe we can have that conversation <laughs> offline. See if he's got any tips for you on. Well, on, yeah. On, I mean, your right back your background was in, in the mechanics of the oh, machines, no, right? No inside info. I've signed papers. <laughs> Fair is. enough. All right. Well, hey, as always, we want to thank the sponsors of the podcast, of which Elo is one. So thank you so much for supporting us and lending us Jim today. Uh, hey, as always, a reminder, if you want to reach out to us, uh, first of all, if you like the show, if you're listening uh, to an audio version of the podcast, if you're an Apple podcast, leave us a five-star rating review. Uh, if you're on Spotify, leave us a, a full rating there as well. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button for the Smash. episode. Smash that subscribe button there it to is. our channel. We're doing all kinds of fun stuff. We've got our unboxed videos now. Yeah, we got good stuff. Bone Appetech, a new season of Bone yes, Appetech is, yes. is start. Actually, today the, the this episode is airing. We've got a new a new episode Absolutely. of Bone Appetech coming. So you don't want to miss out on all the cool stuff that we've got going on on our YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed. Uh, and of course, as always, if you want to reach out to us, let us know how you feel about the podcast, have any questions, want to suggest some topics to us. You can always find us first on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us techconnect at bluestarinc.com. 
All right, let's wrap things up, first of all, with our value to the VAR. So, uh, Jim, we've talked a lot about, obviously, you know, where digital signage fits into the gaming industry. Let's let's talk about ELO in particular, though, and, and how are you helping VARs to equip their customers that are interested in getting in on this, either that are already in the gaming world or thinking about how do I bring that into my particular venue? Uh, how do you equip them with the best possible solutions? Yeah, great question. So it's, it, it's really interesting. So if you go back, you know, 10, 15 years or whatever, the our kind of offering to the gaming world was was via the the slot machine manufacturers that I talked about earlier, right? So, you know, it was a very much our open frame touch screens going into, into slot machine cabinets. That was our kind of game in play. And, and as gaming in general has become way more ingrained and, and intertwined with, with hospitality and, and, you know, driven by casinos, of course, to begin with, uh, because, you know, casinos are basically just big entertainment centers, right? So, you know, as, as that all kind of into... In, intertwines then it just makes it um it gives us a stronger a stronger play because now it's not just supplying um touch screens to the casino slot machine manufacturers now we've got opportunities for point of sale we've got opportunities for digital signage we've got opportunities for self-service kiosks um and all the stuff we've talked about today i won't, won't repeat but you know the, the reason why we as elo can add a really a lot of value in this case to to, to the, the partner network is you know is our breadth of portfolio is probably the first thing that pops into mind so you know we've got f uh, devices from five inches up to 65 inches we've got um without compute we've got with compute that could be android could be windows could be linux um, you know, we've got this kind of interconnected plat platform, unified architecture, we call it. So where um, all the devices are at the same architecture under the hood, they're going to all work together. So, you know, if an operator's got three or four technology types that they're interested in, let's say, for example, a, a betting kiosk or terminal, um, a fixed device in a booth and a large format digital signage in the lobby, just to use three examples, if they're all using ELO, it's all the same touch experience. It's all the same look and feel. It's You know it's going to work, right? You know if the app's going to work on the 65-inch, apart from the fact that it's a different size of screen, of course, it's going to work on the on the other products as well because that, that's kind of how we engineer it and that's done by design that, that it's going to work between all the different sizes. So I think you know that's one really important point and, and that doesn't really just apply to gaming. That applies to all, all the different... Um, vertical markets but very much this way sports betting is going as into hog or gaming in hospitality let's call it it's very much playing into our into our strengths because th that's really what we're good at is this huge portfolio multiple different um sizes but it's all the same kind of architecture and technology under the hood so that's kind of one thing i mentioned um the other thing is that you know uh, quality and reliability i mean we talk about this all the time right but you know gaming customers can be quite demanding you know there's 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 alcohol involved there's there's, there's a lot of emotions running high let's say if the team wins or loses or whatever um so you know you've got to have durable equipment it can't be you know you, you, you don't want to buy um the cheapest possible equipment you need total cost of ownership and I, I know it's a cliche and salespeople always talk about total cost of ownership but it, it is super relevant in this case because you can put some some technology in place and you know you get one saturday night when there's a big game on or a sunday night super bowl and if it's if it's cheap stuff um you know it, it might get damaged people get a bit excited so you know it's it's, it's, it's false economy going going for for something for something cheap so um you know that's uh you know touch performance reliability is something that's really uh, important um, 
And then I think the other thing that, that's, that's really important is because gaming is, or particularly sports book and, and sports betting, the cycle we're going through now and, and the journey we're going on, um, a lot of Android is, is being used. So, you know, we think all these sports book providers are, they, they have to write in Android and iOS to, to account for mobile phones and tablets, right? That's, that's mandatory. They have to do that. So because they've done that, then, you know, the fixed devices uh, are probably going to migrate naturally or, or gravitate naturally towards Android, right? Why would you go for Windows when the content providers, the sportsbook providers, have already written it in Android and iOS? So you're either going to go to iOS, which is clunky, closed, uh, very complex, it's very locked down, it's very much driven and controlled by Apple. And I, and I love Apple, by the way, but, it, but you know, they, they have their place and I don't think their place is this environment or you go to android and you've got super high security it's, it's very easy to work with all, all the content providers are already developing in android out of the gate because they have to so i think you know our um super strong android portfolio our elo view content and, and device management platform that all ties in perfectly with android so i think you know those are the three things really so the the, the breadth of portfolio the the, the quality and reliability that we all expect from Elo, and then kind of the Android, um, the strengths and, and our, our portfolio and Android. Those are the, the the value that we can add to this conversation and to these discussions with the, with your partners. All three really good ones, yeah. but I'm going to go with the heavy use quality one. <laughs> I mean, you do not want that to fail in a gaming environment. <clears throat> yes. When someone Hulk smashes on a monitor because right. they just blew 10 grand on a coin flip or something, you know? <laughs> Beer gets thrown around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, you want some. Yeah. I, it was or, one of those things I hadn't even the thought celebration. About, like, hey, I won yeah, ten thousand dollars. Yeah, it's like, hey, yeah, yeah that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. Oh man, I you do not that. want flimsy. No, you know, you don't. You don't. And I appreciate also the seamless experience. You know, aspect yeah. there again. Yeah. You know, that idea of like whatever you experience. You know, at the self kiosk when you walked in is the same as what's at your table and the same as everywhere well, else. It. You know, yeah. like I mean, we talk about it all the time. Yep. Experience. Yeah. Exactly. And the platform that Elo brings to the table is very unique there. Uh, it can really enable kind of that unique uh, seamless experience right, across right. the board. And I think it's a it would be an it would be an easy sell then if you're trying to get somebody on board of again as you extend out into okay well what do you need for point of sale mm. or what do you need for mm. you know your your servers to have a, mo- a nice mobile computer for payments you know like here's the M60 stuff like that where you or can, bar top you want to go yeah, bar top exactly. yeah we got that the stuff where you can easily it's it's an easy upsell to be able to say look let's build this giant seamless experience amongst mm. all the things that you're going to need to make mm. this a premier venue yeah so, yeah yeah, cool. yeah yeah all right well hey, let's wrap up as always with our favorite segment what's tech connecting with you yep this is where we get to talk about something from the world of science tech innovation a news story, business, whatever that has caught our eye, has our attention, has got us you know, interested or excited this week, or maybe dreading the future. Or scratching our heads. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Either way. So, Jim, we'll start with you. What's tech connecting with you right now? Um, I thought I spent a lot of time thinking about this one because I didn't know if I was going to think about something really kind of topical and quirky just to, 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 to throw you guys off. Um, but in the end, I've kind of gravitated to something that I'm, is, is something I'm, I'm personally involved in as well. So uh, I think the EV market, the electrical vehicle market, is electric vehicle market is uh, so interesting at the moment. And you know, we I, I've got an EV personally. I've got a, it's a fully electric Volvo, um, and and I love it. Apart from the fact that the range is terrible, you know, I get like two hundred twenty miles out of a full charge, which is it's okay in the UK where everything's close together, but if I lived in the States, then, you know, that's like going to the grocery store and buy, right? <laughs> right. right. But, At least in Texas. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think it's, it's really interesting how it's exploding in some areas and not others and how it's all intertwined into, into kind of geopolitics in, in, a, in a weird way. You know, think about the, the, the rare earth metals that are needed to, to mine the batteries and all the stuff with China. Think about what's happening now at the moment in, in you know, Ukraine with and, and then the, the subsequent oil uh, sanctions and stuff, how the oil prices going up and down, is that driving people one way or another? Um, you know, the distances in the country. So as I mentioned, you, you know, most of Western Europe at least is very, very packed tight. And you can see that in the adoption rates. You know, Netherlands, for example, has the most EV chargers uh, per capita anywhere on earth. Um, but, you know, if you put that many, that much density into the US, there'd be millions of EV chargers. So you know, it's, the, the density is vastly different depending on, on the on the the state. Um, and then, you know, I was also looking into the different charging types um, and we're looking into it and there's like eight or nine different connector types. I don't think, have we not learned our lesson from more? <laughs> the lightning <laughs> port. And, yes, yeah, exactly. yes. Yep. Or the micro USB, the USB-C. I mean, it's a nightmare. Why don't we learn our lesson from, from 20 years ago with the phones and the, and the tablets? And it's, it's for, for me, it's, it's cool and, and crazy and, and moving really quickly. Um, I, I just think maybe it's moving a bit quicker than we um, than it should do, purely because you know the environmental concerns and for, for the right reasons, of course. But it's you know it's been really pushed as an environmental mandate, probably more in Europe than in the US, to be honest. Um, but it's you know the infrastructure's not there yet. There aren't enough charging points. You know, if everybody decided to do a business trip tomorrow with a, with an EV, there wouldn't be enough points to you know people would be like stopping on the highway that there isn't enough right you know you, you, so it's yeah I, I find that really interesting and, and interesting to hear your guys view on that in the u.s because obviously the the distances are much bigger and i think it's uh, much less attractive to have an ev yeah well you've got well, one so i you do tell us your yeah i got a so model far, 3 yeah. tesla and and i'm with you i mean i think i can get uh, whatever i could get 300 miles out of the charge uh, but uh, to me, I haven't. So I, I still have a, a, an ICE <laughs> internal combustion engine. Right. I still have my good old SUV there. For, so that we take on longer trips. Um, but the EV, I have found I can get around town and 98 percent of what I need to do for with that car is is perfectly fine. Right, I right. charge it at home. I don't need uh, the public kind of charging. But but I agree with you. And you've, you've already hit on all the points, Jim. That you know, in order for it to EVs to get wide adaptation, you're going to need charging points at apartments, at you know places where people can't pull into their garage and charge right. overnight. Workplaces, uh, workplaces, restaurants, restaurants yeah. all these things. So uh, I, I think that you're going to see a significant ramping up of EV charging stations. In fact, Blue Star's got a whole initiative uh, around that that we'll be launching here uh, very shortly uh, around it because there's the need there. The infrastructure has to catch up to mm -hmm. to the whole thing. Uh, but, but you touched on a lot of different things. It is interesting to watch the geopolitics, the the uh, the materials that need to go into it. All of those things are very very fascinated. But uh, what I love about it is you're watching the the market at play as well. Right. Uh, where and there's a lot of innovation happening. I was literally just reading an article today where a, a company in Detroit battery manufacturer manufactured a battery replaced it on the model s and they were able to get 752 miles wow. going 55 miles an hour in one charge 
Wow. So, I mean, that's the kind of innovation, right? That's not there to, well, so, all right, they just tackled it. Right, Whatever that right. battery is, they retrofitted the, the Model S and now they can go 750 miles on it. So that's, that's coming, awesome. right? But that's the, the market is kind of demanding that innovation to yeah. happen. Yeah. And that's the kind of cool stuff that's happening. So, you, you know, maybe, you know, your fear there, Jim, is going to be mitigated by the fact that, you know, the next iteration of cars can get a lot more uh, mileage out of their charge. Anyway, yeah. it is fascinating to, to yeah. try to keep up on it oh my gosh yeah i fully expect my next vehicle to be a, an ev at least at, a, least a, at least a hybrid yeah mm-hmm. but if not an ev but <laughs> to, uh, to to jim's point though i had not thought about the fact that we might have different connectors you know oh yeah that uh, is a that is I mean, bold. that's just the, again yeah well, elon's point, got not, his connector did we not Volvo's learn the lesson it. yeah like i mean <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to be on 10 percent charge and roll up somewhere and be like all right i'm ready to charge like oh no i'm sorry you know you you needed the lightning cable you need the, it's already bad the, enough. The Ford Lightning cable in order yeah. to connect this one. Yeah. Like seriously, come on. Well, we even had precedent before then because we've got different outlets than they do in a Yeah, yeah, so it's exactly. Like, That's right. Couldn't we have? You know, yeah. We, so we just some need lessons one we just standard. don't. We don't ever seem to learn. Like someone, uh, someone's yeah. trying to create a standard so that like everybody <laughs> creates different standards, and yeah, it's just it's just a bunch of garbage. So. Oh, All right, man. Dean, what's tech connecting with you right now? Have you heard of Frosties? From Wendy's? NFTs. Oh, okay. Not those. I'm going to go, you know, I know we've been uh, on social and every, haven't responded to Cordy because I guess there was a an NFT conversation oh, yeah, going yeah, on yeah, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants us to explain NFTs to him. It, it, it like, is like not explainable. Yeah. Nobody can explain it just yet. Uh, I'm sorry, Cordy. I'm not there yet, <laughs> but I, I keep diving into it. So... Uh, so Frosties is the latest NFT art scam that happened. So not only is NFTs a thing, right. but now there's... Of an, course someone's already figured out how to scam. There's it. scamming going on in there. So the Frosties were these little, um, anyway, little whatever characters mm-hmm. uh, that people were starting to buy into. They were supposed to be the next rage. Right. And this, by the way, this just happened a couple months ago. So the next rage of things. And the people that, that, that built it, basically they did what they call a rug pull. They, they built up the community, started taking in funds, crypto funds, to fund these. You could buy your Frosty. You didn't have it just yet, but you could buy into it. And then they shell game the, the money you know, through di- different digital wallets and took off with $1.2 million, and nobody got anything. So you got a bunch of 20-year-olds that invested anywhere from you know a couple hundred to a few thousand dollars going, right, right. oh, well, you know that's, that's yeah. what happens in this world. And it's like... Okay, so I, this is where I have a little bit of a hard time having any kind of sympathy, you know. But. Oh, I got no sympathy at all, not none at all. But when you hear about people, NFTs are going to take over the world, or crypto is going to take over the world, dude, we got some issues, you know. Some right, things need right. to be kind of panned out, and and it's not these aren't little numbers. Um, let's see here, uh, crypto fraud, forty percent of crypto scans, uh, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, it cost crypto about $2.8 billion in fraudulent activities, like the one I just described right, in right. NFT, that's happening out there. It's like, dude, that's a real number. You know, yeah. it's, I don't know. So as we get our head around what the heck is an NFT and how does it uh, relate to our world, just know that there's already art scams going on out there. Yep. So so if you dip your toe by buying one of these little Frosties, well, first off, don't buy a Frosty <laughs> because it's already <laughs> a scam. But if you start getting into it, you got to... <clears throat> It's like it's beyond my recognition, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. I'm I'm fine with just I'll let other people. Oh well, yeah, you got a bunch of twenty year olds. This is going, one of those times I don't feel the need to be the first adopter. You know, like I don't. I don't when you feel, all get it figured out, yeah, then let, yeah, I got you. Someone else figure it out, and when it when <laughs> when you can give me a practical, important reason why I need to own or buy an NFT and how it's going to benefit my life. 
not just, not just because I'm showing off, then yeah. fine, sure, I'll, I'll right. consider it. But I, I'll let it be. I'll let it be someone else's game right. until then. So you got scamming. Yeah. So what's that connecting with you? Well, Jim, if what about you? Do you oh. are you doing the NFT oh, yeah, thing you at doing? all? Uh, no, um, I was just going to say when you, when you said Frosties, Dean, I thought you meant like Tony the Tiger Frosties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. see, yeah. I thought of I thought of Wendy's ice Wendy's cream. Ice he cream. thought of cereal. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah no, exactly. Yeah. See that that's how old we are. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. All right. So tech connecting with me is uh, <laughs> it, this one's kind of an ironic article. Amazon shuttering its physical bookstores and four star <laughs> shops. So the company that basically put bookstores, physical bookstores, essentially out of business, out of business yes, uh, and, and bankrupted the most of that industry. Um, I don't know if you were aware, but they actually did open some of their own bookstores. I did not realize along the that. way too, no. which okay. didn't make any sense. But they figured like, like well, brick and mortar. Yeah, we've stores. already run out other bookstores, so we're going to create our own bookstores now. Got it. And they also, you know, and Amazon's been trying to do their own little physical footprint thing, which is weirdly ironic but mm-hmm. so they also had these things called four star shops which basically where they sold like some of the the top goods that were sold oh on Amazon. okay so yeah, like, I gotcha. you know, whatever like some of the most popular you could just walk sold in on Amazon, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could potentially find these in a store well apparently they're not doing well with these this was all part of because i guess their their online footprint their, their growth revenue is slowing somewhat you know they're mm-hmm. you know they're still like probably the biggest freaking company in the world you right. know, or one of the biggest yep. but you know they're just not quite as big as they were <laughs> a year ago maybe <laughs> So they decided, hey, we got to shutter these locations. And apparently part of the problem was that they were typically people were just using them as like kind of browsing locations. Oh, they weren't destination huh. stores, which, again, in my mind, is like, well, wasn't that the point of what you were trying to do originally by running these stores out of business anyway? It was because you you wanted everyone's business to be driven to you. you to buy something specific. Right. So, yes. Yeah, so at that point, the the retail shop has become just more of a browsing thing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if people were going browsing there and then buying something online anyway. Which 100%. I suppose if they're buying it from Amazon, they didn't care anyway. But it is just kind of interesting and ironic that, you know, they were pushing into this this kind That's of play. And they're still, they still have a, a strategy around brick and mortar. You know, obviously they've still got like the whole food stores mm-hmm. and uh, there's some other, there's some, like a fashion, they're, they're getting ready to open a fashion retail, you know, brick and mortar outlet gotcha. or whatever, stores in, in malls, I think in Southern California. So they're still trying to do something here, but I just find it interesting that the company that, you know, has, has been considered the enemy of brick and mortar for so long also can't get brick and mortar figured out. So. <laughs> Maybe very that's not ironic. ironic at all. Yes, Maybe very, that makes absolute sense. Very, so. very ironic. Yeah. That's a all good right. One. So, what are because they guys? What are Amazon doing with the um, their stores where you where you don't need to check out? It's just connected to your. Uh, I, I can't remember the name of what we call it. I'm a seamless. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember the name. Of it. Yeah. Are they yeah, the the go the Amazon Go Amazon stores. Go. Those are still, I guess, fairly popular and, and working well. Again, they're. They're not. We don't have anything no. like that around here mm-hmm. at all. I think it's mostly like a California, New York type thing. Yeah. I will say though, if anyone is interested, there uh, Saturday Night Live had an awesome skit. I think it was either last week, or the weekend before, about the Amazon Go show. Oh, did they really? That uh, that was. I, I highly recommend. If I can find the link, I'll throw it in the show notes. Okay. It's a, a perfect encapsulate encapsulation of the types of people that can walk into that into that kind of store and feel comfortable just sticking something in their bag and walking out, and the folks that may not feel as comfortable about that. So there's. A, there's very funny skit. I do, I, I do recommend checking it out. So. All right. Well, hey, that does it for us today. Jim Foster, thank you so much for joining us again. We appreciate having you back. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure as always. And uh, until next time, um, you know, maybe stick to cereal and ice cream for your Frosties. Yes. Not some... Not NFTs. Random piece of art that doesn't technically actually exist. And, and you can get scammed on. Yeah, and you can get scammed on. And as always, please stay connected. 
right, Dean, we spent this whole episode talking about sports yep. and gaming and mm-hmm. and the multitude of uses for digital displays in those kind of environments, right? Absolutely. Well, an example that Elo has is the iSeries 4. One mm-hmm. product, thousands of uses. The possibilities are endless with Elo's iSeries 4. From self-order and self-checkout to order pickup and virtual assistance, pair the iSeries with a variety of stands to create your perfect kiosk. Audio and video applications? No problem. Not a problem. The iSeries offers built-in digital microphone and an 8-megapixel camera. We're going a long way from, like, CRT TVs, haven't we? (laughs) Sounds like we have. From Even back in your day when you were in digital science, I'm sure they're a lot more complex than they used to be. 100% they were. Well, the iSeries also lets retailers build engaging experiences, educate buyers, create brand awareness, and drive purchases in-store with an easy-to-use interactive platform that can adapt as needs change. With a built-in I.O. hub, USB-C connectivity, and optional customer-facing display, you can easily convert your favorite iSeries into a powerful, industrial-designed POS system. Uh, I, I mean, what more it's could you got want? the compute power we were talking That's about right. earlier, that too. Edge computing, edge all computing. that power. Love the iSeries. Exactly. So Absolutely. to learn more and select the perfect iSeries display for your customers' needs, contact your Blue Star ELO representative.